0: Beautiful question. I want to surrender to God's will, but how do I know what's God's will? And when I get obstacles, is it God's will that I have obstacles? Is this a sign that I'm not going with God's will, I am going with God's will? Obstacles are always there. Whether you look at the lives of our divine manifestations in any religion, whether it's Krishna, Ram, Jesus Christ, wherever you look,
1: those who
0: were divine incarnations, divine manifestations, our prophets, saints, leaders, whatever, however we refer to them or conceive of them, they all end up. You look at the flow of Ganga. How many rocks, how many turns, how many curves, how many rapids. So having obstacles doesn't mean it's not God's will. But in every one of these cases, despite the obstacles, they keep moving. They keep going. And so living with God's will, surrendering to God's will, means, Pujaswamiji speaks very beautifully about the life of Krishna, for example, and how he had literally obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And of course, when we look at the lives of the divine manifestations, the whole point of it. Is lessons for our lives. It's not like Krishna actually had obstacles or Ram actually had obstacles. The point is that what we learn from these messages, how we can take that. So he speaks very beautifully about how he had obstacles after obstacles from the moment he was born. And yet he's always seen with the flute singing that that song was always on, regardless of what happened. And the message is, when we are living with God's will, obstacles are bound to happen. Waves come in the ocean. There's high tide, there's low tide, there's, in nature, rainy seasons, dry seasons, hurricanes. There's nothing that God has created that doesn't have ups and downs. But what's important when we are surrendering to the will is that we keep flowing, we keep moving, and that we don't lose, metaphorically, the song in our lives. And then, lastly, well, how do we know what's God's will? This, of course, is not something I can sit here and say to you, well, here's the equation. What I can say is that every one of us every creature on earth is built in with a just swamiji refers to it as our gps our internal navigation system we're built in with a sense of knowing whether you call it an inner voice whether you call it intuition whether you call it divine voice, however we conceive of it, every one of us has that. And the reason that you know that is that everything in nature has it. Look at a caterpillar, it's my favorite example. It spends the first part of its life crawling on the ground. Then one day it hears a voice or it gets a sign. I don't know exactly how it happens, but something happens in that caterpillar. And it says, climb a tree. And then it says, now go out on a branch. Now, this caterpillar has never seen anyone climb a tree and return. Right? And unless they're much, much more divinely wise than I think they are, they aren't able to understand that the butterflies overhead were mom and dad. So all they've watched is peop, you know, fellow caterpillars go up trees and never return. It's sort of the you know, Bermuda Triangle of the caterpillar life. Whatever goes never comes back. And yet, when he hears that voice, he goes. And then the voice says, now go on a branch. And then the voice says, now weave yourself into this suffocating thing. And then it says now sit still and don't move and i'm going to take you apart and then it says now burst free and jump and i share this with you because if if god has given or the creator by any name any form however we envision it has given that that knowing to a caterpillar, to seeds, to plants, to animals. Pooja Taumati always says, you know, you never see an animal eating a different animal's food. Dogs eat dog food, cats eat cat food, birds eat bird food, lions eat lion food. You never see them messing, messing it up. They all know what to do. They know what their language is. They know where to have their babies, how to rear their babies. They know how to do everything. So if that wisdom has been given to every single creature on earth, it is inconceivable that it hasn't been given to us. The problem is that we are, I believe, the only creature that has managed to figure out how to not hear the voice. And so we're sort of the equivalent of the caterpillar that is so busy bemoaning the fact that he's not the millipede and that the millipede has a thousand legs and I've only got 12 legs or 16 legs and it's not fair and I never get what I want. Everybody always gets something better than I get that we don't actually hear the voice. We miss the call. So in order to hear that divine will, because everyone's is different, and at every moment in our life it's different. It's not like you're here with one set plan. God has a will for you in every moment. in every turn and so in order to to move with that we have to be quiet enough that we can actually hear the voice it's there but there's just so much other junk going on i want to just conclude with a very quick demonstration that that I love that will help you understand this. We'll do it really quickly. I'm just gonna divide everybody like right here in the center. So um, you with the beautiful blonde hair, can you just raise your hand? Okay, everybody on this side of her is one side, everybody on the other side is a different side. Now, everybody on this side is gonna chant OM, okay? Everybody on this side is going to make as much noise as you possibly can. Now, I know I know we're in satsang, I know we're in a really holy place, but let yourself go. Really, as much noise as you possibly can make, just create a total ruckus, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to do both, and then when I raise my hand, you'll all become quiet, okay? One, two, three. Okay, now everybody quiet. Now, we're gonna do it again. The only difference is that in the middle, I'm going to either give this hand up or this hand up. And if I give this hand, it means you become quiet over here. If I give this hand up, it means you become quiet over here but the other group should keep going, okay? So this hand means this group is quiet, this group is going. This hand is this group becomes quiet, but this group keeps going. Okay, so everybody together, one, two, three. People were oming the whole time? Or you just started when I put my hand in? The whole time. The whole time. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I love this little demonstration because this is what happens in our mind. The ohm is always there. But we don't hear it because this is going on. And then we say... I need to get in touch with my inner voice. I need to hear God's voice. I need to find Aum. Well, you don't need to find Aum or God's voice or the divine voice or your inner voice. It's all there. All you need to do is quiet this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) And you can hear it, okay? So that obviously, is easier said than done but that's what the whole practice of meditation and sadhana is all about that's why we meditate it starts to quiet this that's why we have a path of sadhana path of yoga it starts to quiet this and then you'll be able to hear that divine voice very very clearly because if a
1: caterpillar can then certainly we can
0: She said, we've been told that the Guru is inside of us. So what about that? And I said, well, everything is inside of us. But until we recognize it, until we realize it, then we're not benefiting. So, absolutely the Guru is inside. God is inside. But in order to see it, we have to open our inner eye. If we're only using these two eyes, then we can only see what's outside of us. If we open our inner eye, our third eye, then we can actually see everything and hear everything. But until that happens, we need the inner guru reflected in the outer guru, or the outer guru reflected in the inner, either way. Because they're both the same. It's very, very difficult to access the divine within ourselves. This, this is why people ask the same thing but want the Murti Why do we have Murtis? Why do we go to temples? If God is inside us, why go anywhere? Because are we living like God is inside of us? it would probably be difficult for most of us to raise our hand and say, yes, I'm living like God is inside me. Yes, I'm living like the Guru is inside me. So until we're really living fully with God inside us, going to temple reminds us. Praying before a Murti reminds us. Whether the murti is an image of Krishna or Ram or Shiva, or it's a tree or it's a sunset or it's your grandmother. And until and unless we're able to hear the guru with inside ourselves and have that darshan and be whacked around internally without our mind coming in and saying, Oh no 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 actually I'm really very good. to sab hai. guru to hai. That's what tends to happen to most of us.
1: He's the inner one. He's not only inner inside of us, he is the inner one. Because of him, because of that inner one, you see all of that when that experience happens the Guru happens but the best part is not to wait for the Guru to happen how you can happen to the Guru if you happen, Guru is there to happen because grace is always there I remember Childhood. When I came back from the jungle, Swamiji here used to give one beautiful sermon every day in the morning, 5 o'clock. Everyone has to go there and after the prayers, meditation, we had half an hour sermon. And these questions about Guru, people are looking for. The real touch, not only teaching, people are looking for touch, but how the touch can be found. And that Guru is touch, Guru is not teaching, Guru is touch. So he used to give example, he used to say, just imagine you have a bucket, empty bucket, and the tap is on and water is on water is coming down from the tap but unfortunately the bucket is upside down (laughs) even the tap is on but I am upside down what will happen all that water even is there is for you for your bucket for your heart to be touched but I am not there, it's not the Guru, it's I have to be there. If I am there, he happening, he is waiting to happen. But if we just have something to do, there is a lot of things to do. Really? Just do this, do not pray that I have something to do, God. उस <laughs> <भादशाली है। laughs> of उस कुछ okay. The actual word, let's start
0: there. The actual Sanskrit word of guru is made up of two different parts, Gu and Ru. Gu is darkness, Ru is the remover of that darkness. So a guru is one who removes our darkness. But then of course the question becomes, what type of darkness? What is that darkness? If an Indian spiritual tradition, as we were speaking about earlier, of who we are and the core of who we are and the essence is pure and perfect and divine and whole and complete, and we've been created of the Creator, not just by the Creator, well then, what darkness? That darkness is the darkness of ignorance. There's no sense in this culture of darkness at the core of who you are. Even the the demons are demons because of their false identification, their ego, their greed, their lust, their arrogance. It's not a sense of darkness at the core of the self. Darkness in the very essence of the being, but rather that that essence, that core, has been covered as with so many of us, all of us mostly, with ignorance and that false identification with with the body, with our history, with what we look like, where we've been, what we've achieved, what our bank balance looks like, how we measure up in the society, what sort of certificates we have on our walls. And so we start identifying as that. From that identification comes darkness. Greed, anger, depression, All of that which we would consider quote unquote sinful springs out of that darkness of ignorance. If, for example, I realize that you and I are one, (coughs) that there's divinity at the core of who I am and divinity at the core of who you are, then there's no question of me cheating you, or lying to you, or abusing you, or injuring you in some way. Because A, we're one, and B, who you are is divine. So anything that enables me to betray you, or lie to you, or cheat to you, or abuse you, Zignerance. Anything that allows us to abuse ourselves, to abuse our planet, to abuse anything, to act out of lust or greed or anger <coughs> is due to this identification. What what causes anger? Well, unfulfilled expectations typically. And if I've expected something, and I've identified with what I've expected, I'm living in ignorance. I'm not aware then that I'm already full. I'm already complete, I'm already whole, I'm already divine. I don't need what that person's going to do or say or how they're going to talk to me or how they're gonna receive this project or whether I'm going to get a promotion. And if there aren't those expectations, then there isn't the anger at the lack of fulfillment of the expectations. And if there's no anger, then I tend not to be acting out of it. So you see how we spiral. So that's, that's a very basic glimpse of what we would call darkness. The guru comes in and shines the light it's it's beautifully beautifully said that there's no point in fighting darkness we just need to light a candle and that's what the guru does the guru comes in as the light and shines the light and you know in the west we frequently Miss define guru as a teacher and yet as i always explain you know the core difference is that a teacher can give you information even skills knowledge but not experience and so if you take a class for example with the most brilliant teacher of oceanography you will learn everything there is to know about the ocean what lives in it what it's made of how wide it is how deep it is all of the fantastic beautiful information about the ocean but when you stand up and walk out of that class your clothes will still be dry with the Guru If a guru were giving you oceanography, not only would you learn about the ocean, but your clothes would be dripping wet. You actually would have the experience of being in the ocean. So the guru not only tells us about light and about truth and about peace and about bliss and about God But actually, in the Guru's presence, we have the experience, the spiritual equivalent of having soaking wet clothes, that we're in the presence of love and light and God and truth and bliss and peace. And then the question becomes, well, do we need one? In theory, no. Because in theory, all of those things are our birthright. Love and light and joy and bliss and peace and truth are our birthright. It's the nature of who we are. And yet, if you're like most of us, You're not able to actually experience most of that in our lives. We tend to stay caught in the darkness, caught in the ignorance, caught in the false identification. And so what the guru does is bring us onto that path and give us that experience and then show it to us within ourselves. So the whole nature of who we are, how we understand ourselves, how we understand the world, everything changes. Everything shifts from dark to light. But the last, the last point that I want to mention about that is because our egos as disciples, the egos come into play, and what ends up happening, another beautiful analogy that's given about the Guru, is as a potter sitting at a wheel with clay that he's turning into a bowl or something beautiful. And what we've got is a lump of clay. Full of potential, full of everything, but nonetheless a lump of clay. But on the potter's wheel, what does the potter do? Spins that wheel, hitting that lump of clay every time it goes around from every side, and turns it into something that's exquisite. And not only exquisite, but in most cases actually useful. Cups, bowls, (laughs) vases. exquisite ones but in order to turn that lump of clay into that the potter has to keep hitting it whacking it in many cases and so although the guru is doing his part as disciples we also have to let ourselves be whacked around
1: otherwise we just stay a
0: lump of clay and sure it may be more comfortable than to be spun around until you don't know which end is up and whacked at every turn but if in our lives we actually have have a goal a vision of being useful beneficial Exquisite as a bonus. We have to let ourselves be spun around and whacked by the murder. So it, it takes from the disciples an openness to the presence of the light, to the capital T truth of the light, to a relinquishing of our darkness, because otherwise the darkness is very alluring. We like to hang on to it. We know it very well. So an openness to that. And then allowing ourselves to be
1: literally whacked into shape.